The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. Is your wallet lighter than usual after a fun-filled summer? A little cash can go a long way, which is why the Chime checking account has tons of benefits you'll love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today. Get started at Chime.com fee-free. Chime is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services and debit cards provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hello, and thank you for listening to the On The Verge Major League Mailbag, episode number 10. We're 10 weeks now into the baseball season Oh, by the way, I'm your host, Bob Fallon, and I'm going to be taking questions from the patrons as well as our regular old listeners who are soon to be patrons. That's how I look at it. They're draft eligible. We're scouting them out. Come on board. You can even get a free trial seven days. Just go to patreon.com slash on the verge. That's enough pimping of that. But I'm also going to go over my updated power rankings of the current players on the active roster uh, just a note that I am recording this about an hour before Michael Elias is scheduled to talk to the press. Uh, who knows what that's about? Could be something as small as just taking questions or an update on John Means' injury progression. Or it could be as big as a, an extension to Cedric Mullins or Adley Rutschman. Who knows? So I have no information on that. Maybe I will by the time... This ends, but I doubt it. I'm hoping to watch that in about an hour. So probably won't be recording this for over an hour. Also, it was recently announced that Joey Ortiz was sent back to AAA and Ramon Arias was activated off the injured list. It's a shame for Ortiz, who I feel like has shown really well in his major league time so far, but it makes sense given that the positional needs of the team and the way they're winning at the major league level. Ramon Arias is still a big part of that. So Ortiz will be back. I would imagine before too long, but let's get on with the questions. And the first question I have here is from Alex in our patron group who said, who's singing, thank God I'm a country boy when we're in the World Series, like John Denver. 
1983. And this was even before, this was after that eight-run inning, nice comeback in New York after they blew the game off Tuesday. And we even went on to win last night as well. So we went 5-1 and one on a road trip to Toronto and New York. Obviously great things, but to the question at hand, yes, we will be in the World Series. And yes, we will have someone sing Thank God I'm a Country Boy. And I have just the right country singer in mind. Margaret Valentine, the job is yours. It makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Okay, let's get on to the next question. David Adams wants a preview for the Cleveland Guardians series and San Francisco Giants next week. Uh, this should be a, a good week for the pitchers on the Orioles to get their ERAs down. There's not too much offensive fire, firepower between these two teams. We'll look at the Guardians first, who are just under 500. Their lineup looks, according to roster resource, the lineup looks a little something like this. You got... Last year's rookie phenom, Stephen Kwan, leading off, playing left field. Ahmed Rosario playing shortstop. Jose Ramirez at third base. Josh Naylor at first. Josh Bell at the H. Gabriel Arias in right field. Andres Jimenez at second base. Mike Zunino behind the plate. And Miles Straw in center field. Old friend Cam, Cam Gallagher is their backup catcher. You also have David Fry, Tyler Freeman, and Will Brennan on their bench. So, yeah, obviously, Jose Ramirez is a star. He's a, he's a great player that they signed to an extension. Ahmed Rosario broke out a little bit last year. Andres Jimenez is good. Quan is good. Naylor is pretty good. Bell's okay. Like, they are a bunch of guys who are decent but not fantastic outside of Jose Ramirez and maybe Rosario. But we know they can hit for average. They don't have a ton of pop in their lineup that's continued from last year. So, like I said, I would imagine that the pitchers will fare pretty well against the Guardians. The pitching staff, on the other hand, is good. The Guardians are good at pitching. So Shane Bieber, Hunter Gaddis, Logan Allen, Cal Quantrill, Tanner Beebe, that's their starting rotation at the moment. Tristan McKenzie, Aaron Savali, and Peyton Battlefield are injured on the IL. Emmanuel Classe, James Karinchak, Eli Morgan are some of the, the bigger names out of the bullpen. Pretty good as well there. So it's going to be probably some lower scoring games. Hopefully the bats can can shell out and the, the pitchers can keep them down. But I like our chances to win that series two out of three. I don't know exactly the pitching matchups, but I would favor the Orioles pretty much against anyone at this point. I think the Giants are not too dissimilar from the Guardians, but I, I like our chances even better there. Maybe a sweep, but uh, two out of three would be nice. Their lineup is Lamonte Wade, a Maryland Terrapins graduate, playing first base, Tyro Estrada at second base, Michael Conforto in right field, J.D. Davis, D.H. Mike Yastrzemski, another old friend in center field, Mitch Hanniger in left, Blake Sable behind the plate, Casey Schmidt, a rookie who just came up recently at third base, and Brandon Crawford at shortstop, Patrick Bailey, Wilmer Flores, Brett Wisely, and Bryce Johnson constitute their bench. And right now they have Logan Webb, Alex Cobb, Anthony Desclafini, Alex Wood, and Sean Manaya as starters. We got Camilo Duvall, Tyler Rogers, Taylor Rogers, Jacob Junis, and Tristan Beck. Some notable relievers as well. So yeah, I think this is going to be a little bit easier compared to this tough stretch early in May. The month of May was tough, but after this Yankee series and this Rangers series at home this weekend, things are going to be a lot easier for about the next month or so, I think I saw somewhere that the average winning percentage of teams we're about to play in June are under 500, so that'll be a nice break. 
Obviously, the Orioles don't necessarily need it. They've performed very well against tough competition, but that is those series. Let's move on to the next question from Tony B. If the Orioles end up not making a big splash at the deadline and do not ship significant prospects for pitching, what might the offseason look like with pending Rule 5 eligibility and a continued logjam in the upper minors? He says, I'm personally not convinced that there will be a top-end starter that warrants a significant haul available. I am kind of with you. What the big names are Dylan Cease, maybe Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Shane Bieber. I think they all have like a year and a half of team control left on their rookie contracts. I wouldn't be shocked to get one of those, but maybe a Lucas Giolito is a short-term option, just a, a rental. Maybe it'll be cheaper, so maybe it would make more sense for them. I'm not super convinced either, but at the same time, you have guys like Grayson Rodriguez and Tyler Wells who might be on innings limits of some kind. You have John Means coming back, but you're not sure exactly how he's going to look when he comes back. But to the question at hand, what will the offseason look like? So our pending free agents would be what? Uh, Kyle Gibson and Adam Frazier, Michael Givens as well. Probably let all of them go. You're going to have to... It's getting getting to the point where you're going to have to make a move. So I think no matter what, this next offseason is going to be big, especially if the Orioles continue to play really well, make the playoffs. At that point, you are back-to-back winning seasons, coming off a playoff trip, a young team with a burgeoning bunch of young players who are breaking through to the majors or at least very close and very ready between, God, Gunner, Adley, Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby, Jordan Westberg, Colton Kowser, Hudson Haskin, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, Cesar Prieto. So you get what I'm saying. And then pitchers as well. Um, so, yeah, I think there would have to be a lot of movement. You can't keep pushing back the Jorge Mateo, Ramon Urias, Austin Hayes, these guys, Anthony Santander. I would not be surprised if this offseason was, this offseason was when we see some of those guys get moved in a more firm direction of what this team wants to be that we thought might have been coming last year. I think maybe the offseason that we expected to have coming into 2023 is the offseason that we might have after 2023. But as long as we keep winning, I'll worry about the offseason when the offseason gets here for now. Joshua Larsh says he was jumping off of Tony's question that I just answered. Adding to this, I agree there won't be a significant starter available who would move the needle. Could the O's pivot and add to the bullpen? Lang from the Tigers would be a great addition. And yeah, I was just on the film study podcast with with Ken. And we we talked about this a little bit. Yeah, I would not be surprised if, you know, whether it's Roldis Chapman, who I really do not want, just I don't care how good he is, but a guy, a back-end reliever, another late-inning option, and you can add a DL Hall to just come in, and you could really potentially make up the difference from not having as good of a rotation as some of these teams to have a shutdown bullpen late in games between Bautista, Cano, DL Hall, a trade target, what have you. Um, Yeah, I definitely think that could be an option because it could also be a cheaper option from a trade perspective with some lower level guys as opposed to the big top 100 guys. Tulsi wants to know, aside from Jackson Holiday, who was a lock, which of our prospects would you like to most see in the Futures game? Yeah, I tend to agree Jackson Holiday will be in the Futures game. I'd love to see a lot of these guys. I think Kobe Mayo is a great choice as 21 years old in double A. 
could be up in AAA by the time that rolls around. They want these young guys. Maybe Samuel Basayo. I know he's 18, but he's impressive. I could see that. Maybe Cade Povich. Maybe, maybe we actually get a pitcher in there. But I think we'll have probably two guys, and Jackson will be one. So it'll be interesting to see who the other one is. Tony B also wants to know, does Adam Frazier get to 18 home runs? He's currently on pace for 19.8. I'll say no. I do not think he'll get to 18 home runs. Let's say I think he'll get over 10. I, I don't know if you can count on him continuing to hit for this much power, at least on a home run perspective. That home run in New York was a unicorn. That would have only been a home run in that little short porch they have in right field. I think it's going to slow down. I mean, it's awesome that he's hit. He's already doubled his home run total from last year, but I can't see him getting much more than 10 to 12. So I'll say under. A different Tony, also in the WhatsApp group, wants to know, under the assumption that the O's will option Dylan Tate later today, should we be concerned about him? And yeah, I, I think we should. The velocity is down, I heard, on Locked on Orioles, Connor Newcomb, recently. And not only that, he's getting hit hard, getting his ERA in his 30-day rehab stint was like over 10. Uh, can't be good when it's an elbow injury. I wonder how healthy he really is. is did the rehab process really take? Is he going to have to go under the knife anyway, even after this long rehab? Yeah, that is a a tough one. Um, I'm sure they'll make the right decision. Maybe he just needs more time to get it together, to get warmed up. We've, we see with Michael Givens that it's, it's kind of hard to come back right off a, a long IL stint with missing most, if not all, spring training and then come up to the majors and be be fresh and sharp. So, yeah, we should be concerned about Dylan Tate. I don't know exactly how much, though. Tony also wants to know, will Eve Rosenbaum be the next GM in baseball? Will Eve Rosenbaum be the next female GM in baseball? And I say absolutely yes. I, I don't know of anyone more deserving and qualified than her at the moment. And I think it will be with the Orioles. Not that I think Michael Elias is going anywhere, but I think he will eventually get the president title, a higher title. And I think Sig doesn't necessarily want to be a GM, at least from my understanding. I think he just likes working on his stuff in the background and and, and the challenge of finding ways to get better and better at baseball development and selecting in the draft and stuff like that. So and Eve Rosenbaum is a fantastic assistant GM. She speaks incredibly well. We had such a great interview with her on the podcast. She's a great personality. She's clearly smart and good at what she does. I would love it, and I think it will happen, that she will be the Orioles general manager at some point. Maybe soon. Maybe this offseason. Maybe the offseason after. But I do think it's a possibility and a good one. I'll move on now to my 26-man power rankings for the Major League team. It's so different than three weeks ago. It's crazy uh, how much things can change. I'll just say Jorge Mateo was number two on the power rankings uh, three weeks ago when I did this, and that is no longer the case. He has been dreadful at the plate, at least. But I'll start things off with my number one, Cedric Mullins. He's back in the top spot. You can't escape him. He's batting 275 with an 865 OPS on the year. 13 stolen bases, 12 doubles, 3 triples, 8 home runs, 39 RBI, 24 runs. He's walking 11.7% of the time, only striking out 17.5% of the time. 
incredible range still out in center field. He missed his first full game of the season last year for personal reasons, and Ryan McKenna was out there in center field, and you can just tell the difference. I think the one run that the Orioles gave up uh, behind Yanir Cano was a ball that Ryan McKenna just couldn't get to, and I think Mullins would have. So I think he is the MVO, at least. He's the guy that seems to be bringing the most value to the team at this moment on May 26th. Number two was three weeks ago's number one, so still good. Yanir Cano, he has pretty much become the most valuable pitcher, even though Felix Bautista is still the closer, still great, still will get to it, striking out a ton of batters. But Cano's the guy that if you need a ground ball, you need a double play, you're going to Cano. If you're in a tight spot and it's not the ninth inning, you're going to Cano. He's the backup closer. When Bautista is unavailable like he was last night and you need someone to go for the save, it's Cano. And he's still good. I mean, the BABIP luck isn't continuing. He wasn't going to go all season without giving up a run, without walking anyone. He had his first walk last night. It was Aaron Judge on a full count. And honestly, there was even a bad call or two in there. So still a fantastic, one of the best relievers in the game. Number three, Adley Rutschman. He is slumping a little bit at the plate as of late. He's much better at home than on the road, but he is still one of the best catchers in the game, if not the best catcher in the game. He does it all. He has way more walks than strikeouts. He has the most walks by far in the American League with 40. He's only struck out 31 times. Seven doubles, seven home runs, playing great defense behind the plate, leading this team and this staff. He does it all. We need to lock him up, and maybe we'll find out that we did in about a half an hour. Number four is a big turnaround from Anthony Santander. He was off to a really cold start, but at this moment, he's batting 267 with an 821 OPS, 12 doubles, 8 home run, 28 RBI, 11% walk rate, 25% strikeout rate. Not going to give you the best defense out in right field, but he's playing first base a couple times. He's DHing more. I think that's a good spot for him. You know, in an ideal world, maybe he's a five hitter instead of a three or four, but very good stretch of games from Santander. And number five, this is why Adam Frazier, he was signed to be a solid second baseman, veteran leadership. They thought they could get more out of him. They thought they could turn the the hitting around that he struggled with last year. And so far, so good. I mean, obviously, he had cold stretches here and there. But he is on fire right now. He's batting 253 on the season with a 760 OPS, seven doubles, a triple, six home runs when he had three all of last year, 28 runs, 23 RBI, more walks and strikeouts. He has a career low strikeout rate, career high walk rate, and he's playing good base. (laughs) He's playing good defense at second base. He's even got six steals on the year, despite not being all that fast from a uh, stat cast standpoint. So this is why Adam Frazier ain't that right, Vivek. That's an inside joke for the patron WhatsApp group, and we might need to get t-shirts made because this is why. Number six, another this is why, kind of, Kyle Gibson, the pitcher that the Orioles signed. He's coming off back-to-back great starts against the Blue Jays and the Yankees on the road. Seven innings of shutout baseball last night. He's got a 3.82 ERA over 66 innings. He's averaging six innings a start. That's something no one else on the Orioles can say. He's got 44 strikeouts, 22 walks. A 4.09 FIP, so it's not even all that lucky. He's just a guy that is going to go out there. He's going to give you innings. He's going to not always strike out some batters, but every now and then when that sweeper is really rocking, he's going to strike out some guys. He's going to get ground balls. 
He's always a candidate for inning-inning double play. Ground ball pitchers can be fun to watch from that standpoint, especially when you have a good infield defense, defense the way the Orioles do. Kyle Gibson has been worth every penny and more as the enhanced version of Jordan Lyles. Number seven, Austin Hayes. I thought, you know, once he got his little injury and we missed a few games, I thought, oh, this is a repeat of last year. He's going to come back down to earth and, and try to play through an injury and kind of drag everything down with it. But no, he's, he's continued to play extremely well. He's batting 307 with an 833 OPS, 12 doubles, a triple five home runs, got a cannon for an arm. He had a huge hit last night and RBI, two RBI double off the top of the wall. Couldn't get any closer to a home run. Austin Hayes is, is doing well so far. Number eight, I have Felix Bautista, the closer who is striking out 18 batters per nine. That's two of every three batters. Two of every three outs that are recorded are via the strikeout. So he has 50 strikeouts in 25 innings. It's absolutely insane. He's only given up 14 hits on the season, but he has 17 walks. That's higher than last year, but still a 2.28 FIP. 14, <clears throat> 12 saves on the year. For a guy who Orioles fans like, oh no, is this going to be good Felix or bad Felix? Uh, even bad Felix is getting saves in and only has a 1.44 ERA. So don't think we should worry too much about the mountain. Number nine, another bullpen arm, Danny Colomb, who has just been unbelievably good since getting traded for from the Twins coming into the season. He's got 27 strikeouts and only four walks. This is a guy whose control has eluded him through most of his career. Only four walks over 18 and two-thirds innings. He's got a 2.41 ERA, 13 K per nine, 2.66 FIP, a whip just over one. He's been a really reliable left-handed arm. He's this year's Sionel Perez and a very, very reliable weapon out of the pen. Number 10, I'll go Tyler Wells. He didn't have his best start the other day. Gave up three home runs, but he's been really good. He's striking out more batters, getting more whiffs, missing more bats. I saw on Twitter, might have been Eno, might have been Alex Fast, but that he's getting better extension on his fastball. Something to do with, despite not having elite velocity, he's able to use it up in the zone to get more swings and misses. And if he could add another tick or two, which we know he potentially could, because as a closer or as a reliever a couple of years ago, he was sitting in the upper 90s, that he could be even better. And he's got a great changeup as well. Number 11, Gunnar Henderson. He's coming around, warming up in a big way over his last 10 games. He's batting 250 with the OPS over 800 on the season. He's now hitting 210 with a 739 OPS. He has a better OPS and WRC plus than Ryan Mountcastle. Six doubles, two triples, five home runs. He stole a second base last night. He's getting better and more consistent defensively at third base. I think he might be over that rookie adjustment period law to begin the season. Let's hope at least. Number 12, fresh off the injured list, Ramon Arias. We missed him, but honestly, not that much. I think our record while he was gone was still pretty darn good. But he's a super valuable guy that can play great defense at third base, second base, right-handed hitter, whereas Frazier and Henderson are lefties. Great pinch hitting option late in games. Nice to have him back. Number 13, Mike Bauman, who had back-to-back -back great outings in New York, particularly sharp yesterday, was sitting 97 and 99 with great command, just dotting the black, 
and getting the ground ball that he needed when he couldn't get the strikeout. There, is, Mike Bauman has kind of shown flashes of excellence and flashes of, ooh, is he going to regress this season? But right now he's in an upswing, and maybe he's just learning to embrace this role and will continue to get better as the season goes on. The stuff looked fantastic last night. Number 14 is Grayson Rodriguez, who was tipping his pitches apparently and not faring too well because of it. But since he seems to have figured that out, he has a 3.68 ERA. Shout out to Alex Fast on Twitter for that. He's still 96 to 98 with the fastball. The changeup, especially when it's on, is unhittable. It's everything we've been saying. He's got all the potential in the world to be a mid-to-top-of-the-rotation starter. It's just going to be learning at the major league level, consistency, and obviously if you're tipping your pitches, that's going to hinder <laughs> how well you perform. Number 15, Ryan Mountcastle, first base DH, who is batting 239 with a 736 OPS. He's only walking 4.6% of the time, striking out 24% of the time, 11 doubles, a triple, 11 home runs, 36 RBI, two stolen bases on the season. It's same old song and dance for Mr. Mounty. He's going to swing at everything. He's going to hit everything he makes contact with hard. Just want to see that batting average get up. You want to see him maybe try to walk a little bit more, but it's doubtful that he, he ever does walk, and he could be luckier with the, the hits falling in, but at the same time, maybe he needs to make contact with pitches more in the zone. I don't know. It's just frustrating. It's a little frustrating. Number 16, Dean Kramer, who's been better of late. He's got a 4.61 ERA on the season, over 52 and two-thirds innings with 43 strikeouts and 15 walks. He had a decent outing his last time out. He got, gave up a lot of hits, but not a lot of runs. A little bit lucky, a little bit skill. It's tough to say because he'll have a blow-up outing, and then he'll come back and have two or three good ones. Obviously had a really bad start to the year. Been much better since. Still feel like he's the low man on the totem pole when it comes to the starting rotation. But it's hard to tell what the ultimate upside is with Kramer. Number 17, Kyle Bradish. I have him under Kramer because his last outing was super frustrating. He's also had a couple blow-up outings. But he really struggles against the division opponents for some reason, at least so far in his career. He had no command early on against the Yankees on Tuesday, but then he kind of settled in and had a 4 nothing lead going into the fifth. Ultimately, kind of fell apart in the fifth inning there, but he's got a 4.34 ERA on the season over 37 and a third innings, 32 strikeouts, 13 walks. Not striking out as many batters as you would expect considering the stuff he has, the curveball, the slider. And the, the velocity on a fastball has been a little bit down. And the games where he's gotten really hit hard is when instead of tailing, his fastball is cutting. So, I don't know. Still super high on Bradish. I think he's he still has a lot of upside. But he's also just in his second, really it's his first full season at the majors since he came up a little bit late last year. But second season pitching in the major leagues, still an adjustment period to go. Hopefully more consistency with him as well. Number 18, Brian Baker, who's still been really good this season. He's got a 2.78 ERA with 28 strikeouts over 22 and two-thirds innings. But his velocity has been down a little bit. He might be overused. He's a guy that is like, when he's in there, he's throwing as hard as he can, it seems like. And 
when he's used so much, maybe that's when the velocity comes down. He's just not quite as effective. I know he hasn't pitched in like three days, three, four days. So hopefully he comes back fresh over the weekend and performs well. Number 19, Austin Voth, who's been really good kind of quietly since he gave up a home run in each of his first five appearances this season. I think he's just a really valuable guy to have. We've had so many close games with the Orioles this year that there hasn't been any need for much of a a long man. But whenever there is like a game that's out of hand one way or the other, Austin Voth, a guy that can come in and give you three innings and just hopefully keep things where they are and save some save some bullpen arms as well. Number 20, Sionel Perez. He's coming up. He's getting better. It seems like he's starting to find, find himself again. Not sure I trust him yet. If we're doing the Ben Dorst, uh, trust to kind of trust to don't trust power rankings. But Perez is certainly improving. I don't think he's a DFA candidate at the moment, like we thought he might have been a week or two ago. Taron Vavra, number 21. He's been playing that like last to second to last man on the bench roll pretty well. He's coming in. He's He's been performing better since he came back up for Stowers. He's got a 262 average, 602 OPS. That's just a lack of power. He's got five walks and only nine strikeouts, over 42 at-bats. No extra base hits, but can play a lot of positions. Going to give you some good at-bats. Going to take some walks, make some contact. Poor man's Adam Frazier, younger Adam Frazier. We knew this. This is basically where I think he would settle in a little bit. Number 22, I have James McCann. You can make an argument for him to be lower on the list because the the offense hasn't really been there. He's batting 182 with a 509 OPS, but he's only striking out 16% of the time. He's also only walking 1.5% of the time. He only has one walk over 66 at-bats. But he's just a really good backup catcher. He makes hard contact. He's... uh, a big time improvement over Robinson Chirinos, and I'm certainly not upset when I see his name in the lineup the way it was like you're giving up an out every three innings when uh, the backup was in there last season. Number 23, Ryan O'Hearn, who's playing his role really well, had that huge home run in Toronto last week where he hit a 3 1 homer off their best reliever to tie the game up, ultimately went on to win an extra innings. And he's. Like we talked about, he's the guy you can leave on the bench for days at a time, but you're comfortable with that. You're not wasting any development. He is who he is, and he can come in and provide some value when needed, but he's also not good enough to really warrant everyday at-bats. So I have him at 23. 24, I have Jorge Mateo all the way down here. He's still got the speed. He's still got the good glove. It's shortstop. It's just he has been so bad in the month of May at the plate. It's it's unbelievable. I'm going to look up his numbers for May, and it's ugly. So from the beginning of the season until the end of April, he was batting 347 with an OPS over 1,000, a 188 WRC+, walking 7.2% of the time, only striking out 14.5% of the time. Well, once the calendar flipped to May, it's been brutal, to say the least. He's batting 106 with a 276 OPS, a negative 27 WRC plus, 5.6% walk rate, and 29.2% strikeout rate. That is unsustainable. That is Joey Ortiz, get your shortstop glove ready every day type of stuff. And uh, if he has a June as bad as, or even close to as bad as his May, 
it might i don't know what else you could do i just it's it's very dr jekyll and brandon hyde that's what it is all right number 25 ryan mckenna he's come back down to earth after at one point he had a ops in the mid 800s now he has a 273 average with a 735 735 ops striking out over 30 percent of the time only walking 3.4 percent of the time which he did have more patience than that i thought but number 26 is michael givens fresh off the injured list the free agent signee who's back in baltimore he's got that weird arm slot mid 90s fastball get ground balls get some strikeouts that hasn't been the case he's like 90 to 92 and the control is all over the place he's walking batters hitting batters with pitches hopefully he can get settled i wonder if his knee is still bothering him that was the injury that put him on the il in spring training time will tell uh, we shall see if he ends up back on the il or what happens but when you're a contending team you can't really afford to mess around too long with these things especially with uh dylan tate maybe if he came back you could have one or the other i do not think at this time you could have both in the major league bullpen well that'll do it for me for this mailbag zach will be back with you next week until then thank you for listening and hey why don't you become a patron it's fun That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more. Get paid up to two days early through direct deposit with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash fee free. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. It's easy to lose sleep when you're worried about your health insurance plan. But when you have a family counting on you to take care of them, having the right coverage is more important than ever. Anthem Health Keepers plans can help. With low to no cost coverage for you and your family. So you never go it alone. That's our Anthem. Click to learn more. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.